always deflects it back to Jesus. So this morning, let's open our heart to hear from a man that lives the message that he's going to be sharing with us. Philip, we welcome you, and we are grateful for you here this morning. Amen. Thanks, Pierre. It's great to be with you guys. I'm just trying to balance my computer there on uh, we wish to see Jesus, yeah? Um, what an incredible moment. You know, walking this church, there's so many of you, guys, of you that I know, and there's <laughs> most of you I don't know, but I hope you know Jesus. If you don't, you're also welcome, because this is what we talk about. We talk about Jesus, yeah? Um, it's really an honor to be, last week we were in George with a lot of us um, regional leaders and uh, incredible time together. And then we ended up the week with almost a cherry on the cake, spending time with our pastors from the Eastern Cape and Pastor Linda, um, Cristiano, I saw you somewhere, yeah? You was, ah, you moved. Well, to move, you confused me. You were sitting, yeah. Pastor Joy and a lot of the pastors from the Eastern Cape, um, because I come from a farm um, and I'm a farm boy, that's, that's it, that's my um, claim to fame. I'm just a farm boy, grew up in a home where my parents are farmers, my grandfather was a farmer, but they love Jesus and I'm not a product of a pastor, I'm a product of, a, of parents. I'm a product of a mom and a dad that love Jesus and my dad is still alive and till today he's my hero. And um, I mean, he's at the end of his life. And even when you walk in his, in his room in the mornings, you'll hear him praying. If you go at night, you'll hear him praying. Um, you know, I still, if I, my whole goal is I want to be a, as great Christian as he is. Um, and it's an honor to be and seeing these guys in a rural context. I believe God is going to bring about an amazing revival from the rural context. That God is going to use people you know, in those contexts to actually sweep through our nation. And so we had such an incredible time with these humble pastors. And I salute you guys, Pastor Linda, you guys. And I'm, I'm excited being part of it. I, I'm, I, I am part of it. I'm going to be part of it because I see there's something there. So, Pierre, Yelena, elders, it's always a joy to be here in Somerset West and Helderberg uh, and Gordons Bay and Zola and one place, you know, where God, God is here and God's moving. So it's an awesome privilege and honor you guys for your leadership, your friendship, um, your faithfulness, weathering the storms. All of us face storms. The question is not if we will face storms, we'll face storms. The question is more, will we weather the storm? You know, when the storm comes, are we ready for those storms? And I honor you guys for that. Bring your greetings from your, your family in Twani. If you know, um, if you've got no people there, send them, invite them. And if, if they're in a church and they go spiritually, don't send them. They're okay. But if you have friends and family that don't know Jesus, let us know about it, how we can reach out to them. I'm going to introduce you to my family. This is my uh, beautiful wife and my two sons. Um, and uh, I know I'm married upwards. I know that, but... Um, we were married 22 years this week, the 4th of March. And uh, I, so one friend asked me, congratulated me, he said, I said to me, I've been sleeping in the same bed with the same wife for the last 22 years. And I'm, I'm endeavored to stay that way till I go to Jesus. That's my amazing wife, loves Jesus. 
Um, I had the privilege in 1997 to lead her to Christ. And um, kind of out of the group, I said, God, I want one. And I chose one. And I hand raised her. <laughs> joke about it. And then we battled to our children for many years. So we got your place. We said, Lord, all my brothers and sisters have children. They literally, we're a fruitful family. We're six kids, and there's 27 of us when we come together. It's our own nation. But we, <laughs> we're not having children. And I said, God, and God supernaturally gave us a word, and he gave us a name in Salambosh. And he said to us, you will have a son. The first son will be called Jesse. And ultimately, Jesse was born four years later, and then we battled for another seven years. And Luca was born. And uh, we are really blessed. And so Jesse's at Boyside. That's why I spoke to Stefan. Started to speak to him. And there were so many things we could just enjoy together, talking about things. Friends, we're together here and we're talking about, you're talking about the whole series about welcome. And I'm going to focus this morning on welcome apostolic. The word apostolic. Many people have heard apostolic. Some people put that on their business cards. I don't have those available because I don't print those. But we're going to speak about apostolic. We're going to speak about what is apostolic. When the apostles, apostolic, what does it mean? And I hope as we share this, may God help us to get not just insight, well, I understand it, but I pray that it will touch your heart that you understand how it involves you and what church is about. Just a quick brief looking back at every nation, you're part of every nation, is a family of churches that basically just why do our name exist, every nation, is because we chose a name not because of anything else, but that reminds us when we wake up in the morning, we say to ourselves, the job is not done, says, let's not relax. Go on holiday, enjoy your off weekend, but when you're back, be back. The job's not done. We have a job, every nation. We have to reach the nation of the world. How did it happen? Well, these, it happened when three young leaders, 26 years old, kind of have their own ministries that are kind of successful, came together and they started to talk about we, we, and the Holy Spirit said, that's not we, it's me, me, and me. A we is something else. We is, there's a sacrifice involved in we. There's a laying down of a we to form. form. You can easily have me, me, and me come together, but it doesn't mean we are we. We means there's something involved that the me and the me and the me have put things aside to form a we. Whom of you take selfish? Selfish. Oh, so, so selfish. Um, <laughs> you know, um, we, uh, yet a new one is onsies. You know, I like more the onsies one. You know, the, the, the hymns that sings about we and Christ and not me and Christ. There's something about it and they lay down everything and God supernaturally brought them together to say, build something together, but that's going to cost you. And I remember way back, and Pastor Ryan said to me, one day he said, for we decided, I said, Pastor Ryan, how can it be years later, you still walk together? Did you guys never have differences? No. <laughs> you want to know how much time you have about the differences. And he said, but we made a decision. If we stay together, what we built will stay together. And we will work through things. And so they, what has happened is, that's resulted in us seeing now churches in Ukraine and across the world in over 80 nations. There are congregations, but it's not just churches. It's churches that are apostolic-minded. They're thinking about the lost, make disciples, raise leaders so we can reach more nations. So when we speak about apostolic, what does it mean? Apostolic, Pastor Floyd McClung was a good friend of mine, and he gave me a definition which I worked on, which really helped. 
It says, when someone was sent with authority by someone with a greater authority to establish a community found on biblical foundations that results in the worship of God. It's when someone is sent. You see, the amazing thing about apostolic, it's not he went. He went is not apostolic. He is sent is apostolic. Apostolic is people who understand, you know, we understand authority. I mean, if I take a piece of metal, you know, here's a good piece of metal. I don't think I'm going to be able to break that. Why? Because the metal is stronger than the force that I want to enforce on it, the power that I in, in execute on it. You can only break power, thing, something, if there's a greater power that is actually working on this power. We only have power as we stay aligned with who God is and what God does because in ourselves, we have no power. We but people with feet of clay. We dust. We need Jesus. You see, when we talk about apostolic, it is a power of God that he wants to use normal people like us to go into a dark world, to open up a dark world and to establish his kingdom so that worship will be established. Why do we do missions? We don't do missions so that we can take people on an exposure to Africa. You know, nice, take your caravan, everything. It's great, you do go. But that's not a purpose of mission. The purpose of mission is also not to go and build buildings, although we do. The ultimate success behind a mission is, is the worship of God established in a community where there was no worship. Now, what is worship? Let me try to make this simple. Whom of you have heard of satanic worship before? What songs do they sing? Oh, it's not about songs. It's actually about lifestyle. It's only in Christianity where it's about songs. You could worship God and never sing a song. You could sing songs and never worship God. But it's okay when we worship God, we have an outflow in music that is part of worship. But there's more worship happening tomorrow when you wake up and your boss calls you. And you sit among your colleagues. And you're around and you're on the sport fields. Worship is a lifestyle we live. When we talk about apostolic passion, the word passion. Passion comes from the word sacrifice. Now, let me explain sacrifice. I looked on the list when I prepared. I wanted to find in heaven, where's the list of, and I found that there are certain cities excluded from that. It's cities like George, Halleberg, Cape Town. You know, you, I can't be honest. You're not sacrificing moving here. <laughs> when I moved from Stadabas to Pretoria, that is a sacrifice. See, this is how you know I hear God's voice. God told me to go to Pretoria, and I did. You don't hear God's voice to come down. You just come. <laughs> it's when you move that way where there's no lots of water and electricity is kind of always jealous. I'm just joking. You see, when you talk about sacrifice and you talk about passion, oh, Phil, I'm passionate about sport. What will it mean? It means you're gonna sacrifice other things so that you get to your sport. When you say, I'm passionate about my kids, I was torn in two. We're 22 years married and I'm not with my wife this week and we kind of knew that, but it's, my heart was, I called her seven times on a day. <laughs> Hello, are you still there? <laughs> How's happening? <laughs> and then yesterday my son played cricket and um, now it's not his first game. I don't care if it's his hundredth game. I wanted to be there. <laughs> I mean, and uh, so I was kind of, and I played against the Ambers. That's what we spoke about. And, 
He went in, he's more a bowler than a batsman, but he went in at 10 and, you know, and then I asked what's going on. I said, they, got, they need 30 runs and there's only one wicket left. Oh, man. And uh, he went in and he and his friend, they did it. <laughs> they pressed through and they won. But I sat there every two minutes, update, update, update. It's like one run full, one run full. <laughs> but I wanted to, why? Because I'm passionate about my son. When you are passionate about something, the thing you're passionate about is not the thing you're gonna sacrifice. It's the thing you are not passionate about, you will sacrifice. Oh, I'm passionate about Jesus. Show me your sacrifice. Oh, I'm passionate about, you know, lost people. Show me your schedules. You see, when we talk about apostolic, we talk about church. Friends, there should be a passion in our souls. There's nothing but radical Christianity. The rest don't exist. Because salvation by itself in its nature is radical. There's a radicalness. There's not a mediocre. It's not a kind of, okay, let me just go through the motions. There's seeds as we go through things. But we should always desire, Lord, restore my passion for you. What does it mean, Lord, my passion for you? It means you will sacrifice other things so that you can find Jesus, love Jesus, and obey Jesus. That's what it means. I remember I spoke to a gentleman a while ago, and he said to me, oh, the church is only after my money. I said, let's talk about that. That's an interesting concept. So what you are saying is you are only after your own money. Because the only reason you bring it up is because you want to keep it all. I don't mind that. Let me talk about what are you passionate about? Because it's obviously not Jesus. You see, there's something when Jesus is alive in our hearts, friends, we become alive. There's something in our soul that happens when Jesus comes to our life. See, when we think about passion, all of us should be passionate about our marriages, passionate about sport, people are passionate about hobbies, people are passionate about business. But is there a greater passion that defines your passion for business? Is there a greater passion that defines you just sitting here this morning? Is there a greater passion? What is that? Theodore Roosevelt said, never throughout history has a man who lived the life of ease left a name worth remembering. Matthew 22, verse 37 to 38, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's a powerful statement. He starts with love God with all. If you give me all your money, how much have you left? Nothing. Otherwise, you didn't give you all. If you love God with all, you have nothing left. You and I cannot love one another. It's not a decision. It's not just willpower. It is a supernatural work of God in our hearts. When we love God with all and we run after God with all, something in our soul happens that we start to care about our irritating neighbor. Something happens in our soul as we start to deal with stuff in our soul that keeps us from people and we start to love people and as we start to care about people and ultimately, he says, the whole Bible, your ministry, your business, your family life, your sport, your hobbies, all of it ultimately should be defined by love God and love people. Not just church. Even you making money has to do with love God and love people. Not use God and use people. It's about God. Lord, may my life deflect that I love you and I will need to sacrifice things. 
I'm really willing to sacrifice time. You see, when it comes to discipleship, it's taking time that you give to someone else and you get nothing for it. Sacrifice times, Lord, because I love people. I want to see people grow. People become to know you. A passion for God and a passion for people is what we're talking about. Why apostolic passion? Apostolic is a mindset. It's a way we look at things. It says apostolic involves things like to expand and pioneer God's kingdom deliberately. It means that we are by God brought together, held together, built together, and sent together with a deep-rooted conviction, willing to sacrifice together to see God's kingdom built. We can do more than me. We can build God's kingdom much more in, you know, effectively if we work together. You see, out of our passion, God develops a core value system. Values. Values means the following. You know, yesterday I was on the phone and I was trying to find out what my son is doing because there's a value. When you say value, you're not going to take somebody you don't know from the street and say, would you look after my kids? Me and my wife are going out tonight. Why wouldn't you do that? Because you value your children. If you stand here and a family member calls says, your dad's been injured, you need to go. You will leave church now and run after and go to your dad. Why? Because values dictate your decisions. Friends, we, there's no commitment problem in the church ever. We have a value problem. Because values dictate our decisions. And unless our values change in the heart of man, there's a desire. And when desire is conceived, it brings, there's a progression from value into something that causes decision. Decision causes habits. Habits causes character. Character is our destiny. Where does our values come from? Our values come from what we really worship. Really worship. Not the songs we sing and not the words we use, but the way we live our lives. What we really worship. You know, the power of sin if you want to, how, how do we cancel sin? It's really simple. Spell, spell with me, sin in English. It's S-I-N. The way we cancel sin, the way we disciple people is we just kill I. Then there's no more sin. You want to increase sin? Up the I. Me, myself, and I. The whole thing of when we make, I have done this, I'm this, I'm this. The moment we lift up I, you make yourself impossible not to sin. Because the power of sin is in the I that's alive. Discipleship does not build people. Discipleship kills people. It takes the I out of the equation and it replaces it with God and we. See, it brings that alignment. So out of this apostolic passion where people want to sacrifice, you find an apostolic people evolve. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 to 12. For no one can lay any other foundation that which was laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with, and he says silver, gold, so he says it's gonna be tested. He says no one can lay a foundation other than Christ. Now in the Greek word, the no one, and in the Hebrew word, the no one means no one. There's really no one. <laughs> you know what no one is? No one means no one. Not some people, this or that. No one can lay another foundation because if we lay another foundation, we will see cracks in the building. 
Has COVID not taught us a few lessons? You know what COVID has done? A lot of bad things, but one good thing is COVID told people exactly who they are. No, but COVID, no, it's not COVID. COVID just showed us who we are. Pressure, show us who we are. If you take a bottle, uh, this is a glass bottle, that's not a good one. I need a plastic bottle. <laughs> no, that's wrong. That's a plastic bottle, thank you. So here's what happens. When I squeeze this bottle, what's gonna come out? I'm only able to squeeze this bottle because it's a plastic bottle and the power on the outside is more than the power on the inside. But I can't squeeze this one because the power on the inside is stronger than the power I, I press on it. You see, here's the power thing. Oh, but you made me. No, no, no. The only thing that happened with pressure, it shows who you are. What's on the inside comes out. And at the core of us becoming an apostolic-minded people is we take responsibility for what is on the inside and say, Christ in me, be formed. Christ in me, Lord, I want to become this person, this instrument in your hands that you can use. You see, we walk with people and we lay a foundation and that is Christ. How do we do that? No, but the church asked me to know. The church should not ask you something. We remind us, what is Jesus saying? Come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Who's saying come? Excuse me? Jesus. Okay, so come. When you say to yourself, your son, come, what do you expect? Left bum, move. Come. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna leave. Come. No, dad, I'm not gonna come. I'll come later, dad. I grew up with four brothers, one sister, and they say, somebody's calling you. I always ask, who called me? They say to me, um, your brother, I'll come later. Your dad, I come immediately because there's consequence if you don't come immediately. Okay, I grew up on a farm. <laughs> you know why? Why do I respond immediately? Because your response exposes your respect. Jesus says come, not every nation. Not nobody. You can go to another place and there's no every nation. The question is, are you still coming? If Jesus asks you, there's a personal conviction that goes beyond. There's a foundation of Christ why I do. There's a foundation of Christ why I forgive. There's a foundation of Christ why I reach out. It's not because I have to. It's because I worship. It's single you being in a conviction with Christ. And from that place, as we walk with people, we start to disciple people into the same passion, the same theology, the same foundation, the same philosophy, to increase the same values to a result ultimately in apostolic culture. Culture is what people do spontaneously without you asking them to it. You don't have to beg me to bry. Just let me know where. Why? Yeah, because it's culture. Culture is you respond. But then everybody walks in the church. You know, my son went to Boys Eye and three weeks into it, three weeks, he greets everybody. Morning, sir. Morning, ma'am. I went to the one teacher. I said, what did you guys do? I've tried for 13 years. Three weeks, he greets everybody. He doesn't walk up the stairs. He waits for my wife. It's like, for 13 years, you asked your mom to come upstairs. Now you wait for your mom. What happened? See, there's something about culture. It's when people get it and they believe in it and they see it, they start to live it spontaneously without somebody reminding them. The challenging thing we face in the church today 
is we've built a systematic Christianity systems that maintain Christians, but if the system is not there, they're not there. Why? Because you will not become a disciple by listening to my sermon this morning. We don't make disciples in the classroom. We make disciples in the coffee shops, in homes, in small groups, where we walk with people and we allow people to speak and we go into the foundations. And what do we do? We take Christ and we dig down and we take out a rabbit and say, let me put Christ there. Your motivation for generosity, it's Christ. Let's talk about it. Your motivation for this is Christ. Your motivation for commitment. Oh, I sit in a coffee shop and this lady walk up to me and says to me, and she's serving us, and I sincerely reached out to her. Hi, what's your name? Where are you from? And I asked her, you know, do you believe in spiritual things? She said, yes, I'm a Christian. I said, awesome, me too. I said, which church you go to? And immediately, I said, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I said, I'm sorry, it sounds like you got hurt in a church. And from church, I ask your forgiveness. It's not supposed to happen. I said, but I want to help you. We get hurt in relationships, we get healed in relationships. When you isolate yourself, you'll never be healed. I said, you don't have to go to a church to be a Christian. But if you're a biblical Christian, you'll go to church. We don't redefine the Bible. You walk into your home and uh, your son runs to you and you've got, and he says, look at this, look at that daddy, I found sissy's eye and the blood is dripping and everything. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. Your sister's eye. Really? Wow, let me see. Let me have a look at the eye. You will not respond like that. Where is your sister? Why is your sister's eye in your hand? It's not supposed to be like that. That is weird. That's awkward. Find your sister. You're, running. You're going to look for your, for, the, for your daughter. Why? Because the eye is not where it's supposed to be. So it is for every Christian who's not plugged in. It's weird, it's off. There's no biblical definition. We have to come back to the Bible. We have to preach the Bible. We have to bring Christ back into society. It's not the way we do our churches. It's not if the band performs well enough. It's not if we've aircon is okay and it's not too hard. It is about is Christ in the foundation. How do you know that you'll raise up a people who will sacrifice for Jesus? Friends, we live in a world where comfort has become many people's gods. You see, a apostolic culture is a culture that says, what can I do? What can I lay down? What can I give up so that lost people get to know Jesus and nations be reached? Oh, but I'm a businessman. I know, the Bible does say it excludes business people. It's only for Christians. You see, I have never met a pastor who make disciples. I've never met a causa who make disciples. I've never met business people who make disciples. I've only met disciples who make disciples. The rest have excuses. Friends, there's something about biblical conviction that needs to purify our hearts because here we look at Ukraine, you look at the world, we live in desperate times. But there's a law that we serve that will give you and me the satisfaction that you and I want that we will not find in anything else but Christ. And when we find it in Christ, it revolutionizes your business. 
It revolutionized your relationships. It revolutionized your friendships. It defines your friendships. It defines your socials. It defines, when you get on your bike, you wanna get on your bike and you intentionally say, let me get those four guys to drive with me and we enjoy what we're doing, but I'm intentionally reaching out to people that I know they need Jesus. You gym with purpose. You do everything with a different mindset. You become apostolic minded. means you are aware of the world around you and you know you are salt and light. And you know, and you've been equipped and you're being equipped so that you can penetrate that world. And even if they don't come to the service here, you are there and you can make a difference. See, this apostolic culture ultimately helps us to fulfill an apostolic mission. That mission is God's mission. A mission is an important assignment that was given to a person or a group. And I wanna go into a whole mission statement. I wanna turn to Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22. A foundation of apostolic that we read many times. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Now, what is a foreigner? What is an alien? When you go to another nation, I was in Taiwan and there were millions of short people there. Millions, millions, but I felt so alone. So I don't know, I mean, everything burns, even the water burns, it's hot, everything. I mean, it's a different culture. I mean, you, rice, that's hot, everything is hot. And you kind of, it's a foreign culture. I don't, I'm not accustomed to their culture, their language, what they talk and how they talk, you feel alone. It's just when you come into Christ, we should no longer be foreigners and aliens that fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household build on the foundation of apostles and prophets that Jesus Christ himself be the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what is he saying? Yes, we're building apostolic and what is apostolic? It's simply this. Apostolic means we start to help normal people to don't think God is foreign. We take normal people and the mission becomes familiar with. They know more, oh, that's foreign. Oh, that's foreign. You know, you, we alienate people from God's mission, alienate people from God's purposes. We, no, the church is there to say, let's take people who do not know God to come close to God. People who kind of on their own mission, let's bring them together on God's mission. Let's take people, and what is vision? We move people from their own agendas onto God's agenda. That's what it is. And we all have God's agenda. And now people are uniting together to say, Lord, what can we sacrifice together? Why? Because we don't wanna sacrifice you. We wanna lift you up. We wanna make sure that you are lifted up, that your will be done, that you, your kingdom come, your kingdom is established, even if I have to sacrifice something, even if I have to give time away, even I have to put something aside. It says we move people from that. So it says, yeah, we take people that are foreign and aliens to God's kingdom. Think about this. How many of you have friends around you that say Christians? Do yourself a favor, ask them, what is lordship? Oh, that's a foreign concept. What's mission? I mean, should, should we be salt and light? Have you ever led somebody to Christ? No, no, that's foreign to me. Friends, when we become apostolic minded, we start to empower every member to say, Lord, I'm gonna equip members 
so that they can be the power army of God to take the gospel to the world. The power of the church is not on the side of the pulpit. It's not in the classroom. The power of the church is you. It's God's people. You see, what we've done is many times, we built on the pulpit. We, then you need a gift and you need to use a people. But that's not apostolic. Apostolic is not your business card and somebody's poster, face on the poster. True apostolic is we use the pulpit not to build on the pulpit. We build with the pulpit into the people. We use the gift to build the people. We don't use the people to build the gift. We empower the people. We raise the people. And the people become powerful. And wherever they go, in every coffee shop, every home, every school, wherever they find them in society, wherever they find their soldiers, there is an explosion. Why? There was a disciple. There was somebody who knew who Jesus was. There's somebody who knew to engage. Hello, what is your name? Who are you? And there's nobody who can say, can I ask you something? Do you believe in spiritual things? And they can lay foundations. They can lay just the basics and encourage them to do the same. And if we get that right, we'll have a movement. The power of the church is you. It's important that you start to believe that God, you can be mightily used by God in the next 20, 30 years when you get before heaven. Please don't arrive alone. We battled to have children for 11 years, the two children. Do you know that not one day that me and my wife woke up and says, oh, that's so normal. So normal not to have children. Not one day. Every morning, Lord, it's not normal. We want to have children. If you battled, you know, that is the journey. But it's so amazing when you come to the body of Christ that Christians think it's normal never to have, to have spiritual children. It's abnormal. And if that's not the case and we don't enjoy with you, my son is playing cricket today and I wanna be there. If we don't have that spiritual children that you have and there's that emptiness, we're gonna have to up the pulpit and up the smoke screens and the lights and everything else. And we're gonna have to create a performance to satisfy the gap in people's souls that should have been filled with obedience. This message could maybe offend you and that was not the goal. But I can only preach Christ because I have no, another answer for you. He changed my life and I have submitted my life to this Christ. I have no, but it's like Paul, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel because there's too many other replacements than the gospel that keeps Christians just comfortable and happy, but it doesn't move them. And when the tacky, when they really hit the storms, they, there's not a Christ that can sustain them. Laying foundations is fundamental to help people not just to be fruit, faithful, but also to be fruitful. Many Christians are faithful, but they're not fruitful. We're also called to be fruitful. Your joy in your walk with Jesus is hidden behind the people that you're supposed to walk with. Nothing will replace that. And it's got nothing to do with your personality. The guy who led you to Christ, what was his personality? Oh, you don't know because you don't care. You say, thank you. It's not personality that leads people to Christ. It's basically just the gospel. It just uses us. You can bear fruit. You can bear much fruit. You should bear fruit. That's where the joy is. Apostolic-minded people cares about lost people and nations before anything else. It defines everything else.
Father, I pray this morning, as we think about this incredible area with so many people, we thank you for every church in this area. Bless them. But we're not mindful of those who already know you and are in churches. We're mindful of those who got hurt in church that need to come back. We're mindful of those who've never gone and they don't even know you and we need to reach them. And Father, help us that we will say, yes, Lord, I'll go. I want you just to think about what you feel Jesus is saying to you this morning. And this may be a moment where you could say, Lord, I'm gonna humble myself, but I, I need it. How's your passion? And the way we quickly we come back, we serve an incredible, gracious God. He just wants you to say, Lord, I own it up. I own up. Sorry. I want you. Just respond to him. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word makes it so clear that you have sent all of us to go and take the gospel of Jesus Christ into all our world. Lord, thank you that your command in Matthew 28, verse 19 is a beautiful invitation, Father, to go on this glorious adventure with you, Father, to go and make disciples. Lord, I pray this morning, Father, that as we leave here, we would continue to hear your spirit speak to our hearts of who we can reach this week, of who we can impact this week, Father, of who we can start a conversation with and lead them a step closer to Jesus. Lord, I look across this building, Father. I see these three congregations, Father. I see our visitors in this room this morning. I think, Lord, there's an army in front of us, Father, that if each one of us take our steps into our community this week and we share Jesus with someone, Lord, next week, Lord, this room, if we were here again, Father, could be double in size because people are meeting Christ Jesus. So I pray, Lord, as your word has gone out over us today, let it not return void, Lord. Let us not say no thank you and send it back to you, Father. But let us receive it and let us step out in faith this morning, Father. That every nation Halderberg, every nation Zola, every nation Kailicha, every nation Stellenbosch and Swane that's represented here. Lord, our churches in the Eastern Cape, our whole global family, Father, is a mission force that you are calling to stand up. And say, we're going to continue to take Jesus into all the world. We pray for the empowering of your spirit to do that, Father. And may we leave here with our conversations filled with expectation. May we challenge one another as we leave here and saying, I'm going to take this week the opportunity to share Jesus with someone in my world. And Lord, thank you that you bring the fruit. Your word says, one waters the other plants, but it is God that brings the increase. And Lord, we are excited for the increase that we will see as we take your gospel into all the world. So I bless your people this morning, Lord, with the knowing of the Father's love for them. Lord, secondly, I bless them, Father, with the understanding of the gospel of the Son who has set them free. Lord, and I bless them this morning with the spirit that will stir them on to take the message of the Father and the Son into their world. And the people of God says, Amen. Amen.